This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. We're back to our text on today, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. Mark 8, 34 through 38. And again it reads, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. God, we're asking on this day that you would speak to us, that we, your servants, might hear, but not just be hearers, that we would be doers of your word, to do what you've called us to do, to act as you've called us to act, to become who you've asked us to become. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Thank you for everyone who is assembled in this building and those who are, are participating, participating with us through Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, other ways through the podcast. We thank you for each one, God. Now use us all to do your will, your way. Bless God. Have your way within us, within this place, within this worship experience. And we will give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. We're praying that every unsaved soul will be saved. And every saved soul would grow in you this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We have been on a series concerning our vision statement and our mission statement. Our vision statement and our mission statement. That has been the series that we're working with. And our vision statement gives us where we are going. And our mission statement shows us how we will get there. They work hand in hand. They're not the same thing, but they work hand in hand. They're not the same, but they work hand in hand. Now, I know sometimes we throw our mission and our vision statement together, but I want to be clear that we understand the difference and what we're doing about that. So our vision statement is striving for excellence in kingdom building. What is, what is our vision statement? I love this. You know, what I've been asking the last two years, you know, it's just... I said, what is it? I have to wait for you to type it in. And then y'all can still type it in. Y'all don't stop. Y'all can still type it in. Striving for excellence in kingdom building. That is our vision statement. Striving for excellence in kingdom building. And when we look at that, we could look at Ephesians 4 sort of as a background and a foundation for that. Because it talks about what we should become. We should become mature in Christ. We should become perfect. We're moving toward perfection. And I believe we all will admit we're not there yet. As some of the discussion I heard in our Sunday school on this morning, where we were talking about how we ought to treat one another and how we ought to love and how we ought to forgive and how we ought to do these things, and sometimes we realize we're not quite there yet. Now, maybe somebody sitting in this building might be quite there all the way, being perfect in everything that we ought to do and how we relate to others, but we're still making mistakes. We're still sinning. But our goal is to strive for excellence, to strive for perfection, 
That's our goal. We're striving for excellence in kingdom building and doing what God would have us do. But our mission statement shows us and helps us with how we will get to our vision, how we will get to that that we dream to be a part of. And our mission statement is, and y'all can say it with me, seeking God through worship, shaping lives through teaching, and serving the world through mission and evangelism. Our mission statement, again, is seeking God through worship, shaping lives through teaching, and serving the world through mission and evangelism. And I know we like to break it down and say it's seeking, shaping, and serving, or seeking God, shaping lives, serving the world. But that's how we're doing it. So today, our sermonic topic, we'll focus on the third part of our mission statement. I've already done the, the vision statement. I've already preached on um, that we're seeking God through worship. I've already preached on shaping lives through teaching on last Sunday. And this Sunday, it is serving the world through mission and evangelism. That's our focus, part three of the mission statement. Serving the world through mission and evangelism. Seeing that we all want to strive for excellence in kingdom building, let's look at how we reach the visionary goal by serving the world through mission and evangelism. Every member of First African Baptist Church should understand the process of how we get to and reach maturity in Christ. We must seek God, or say it another way, we must come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We must seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. So we seek God that we may come to him and have a relationship with him. So we seek him through worship. And then after we have a relationship with him, after we have, have, have decided to make Jesus our choice, then we must be shaped by Christ through his teaching. We must learn of him. God will teach us so we can then, he'll teach us, once we come to him, then he teaches us, but there's a purpose behind it. He's teaching us so we can do the work that he's called us to do. And that work that he called us to do is serving others through mission and evangelism. That's what it is. That's, that's what it calls. You all go together to do it. Now, we notice the first part of worship him is that that's for us. We begin to worship God so we can be strengthened in God so we can know who he is. We begin to learn individually so we can learn. We can learn of him. And, be, and we learn of him and learn the things that God would have us to do. But when we get to this third part, we actually got to put into action that that we've learned since we worship and come to him. Now we get to put into action what it is God would have us to do, even from that that we've learned. So why do we serve and how do we serve? That's what I hope to answer with this message. First, we serve on purpose. We don't serve haphazardly. We don't serve by accident. We have a clear mandate to serve. In Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39, it reads, And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's telling us that in order to truly love God, we have to love others. Jesus even said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. We serve by loving. We serve by loving. How do we serve? We serve by sharing. We serve by sharing. What are we sharing? We're sharing what God has given us, what God has shared with us. And please understand, God has given us so much more than money. God has given us so much more than material things. Now, I know that we like to pray for that. Lord, I need a better car. Lord, I need a bigger house. Lord, I need a better job. Lord, I need more money. So I'm not... 
undermining money because God blesses us with those things that we have. He is a blessing to us. He said you have life in heaven more abundantly. So there's nothing wrong with having the money. But God has given us something much more than money. Somebody could say amen right there. God has given us something much more. Do you know if you have all the money you could possibly have, you're going to still die? And then you get concerned about what I'm going to have after death. <laughs> so he's given us something much more valuable than money, and he allows us to, to live in it while we're here, not just wait till after we leave this place. He's given that to us. So how does he expect us to share? What does he expect us to share? He has given us that that even money can't buy. Well, what did he do? Well, understand, he commands us to love. All right? In Matthew 22, he says, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor. So he commands us to love. That's not a great suggestion. It is a great commandment. All right? So let's understand that. First, we come to him. We're now under his commandment that we are love. That, that's it. He commands us to love. But then look at what he does. He commands us to love. He lives his life. Then he allows them to kill him. He goes and dies on the cross for all of your sins, all of my sins. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So he dies on the cross for you and for me. But after he dies on the cross, he's raised from the grave. And when he's raised from the grave, he sees the disciples and others again, and he has a message for them after he gets up from the grave and before he ascends into heaven. And what is that message that he gives us? I'm glad you asked that. You can find that in Matthew chapter 28. Reading verses 18 through 19. Look at what the Lord says. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He commands us to love. He dies and is raised from the grave. And then he commissions us to go. He commands us to love. Then he commissions us to go and make disciples. In other words, go and teach others. Yeah, he said go and make disciples. Baptize them. And then he says, teach them to observe what I have commanded you. Now, we know we can teach folk just by talking. But how many of you know even a better teacher is one by example? How many know that... <laughs> There's another example, another better way of teaching is by example. When you model what you're teaching, and, and that's what God is calling us to share with others, the life that he shared with us. He's telling us that we can model what he has done. Go and make disciples. Become his disciples. Not, not our disciples, not first they be disciples, but become his disciples. Teach them what he has taught us, and we teach it by example, by showing it, by loving the way he loves us by caring the way he cares for us, by forgiving the way he forgives us. And when we begin, and people say, well, you ought to treat folk like you want to be treated. No, I like to say this. Treat folk like you want God to treat you. Let me say that again. Treat folk like you want God to treat you. Because y'all know when we mess up, we want God to forgive us of all our stuff. But yet we don't forgive other folk for all their stuff. We continue to hold on and we continue to get mad. When we see them again, our whole countenance changed. Oh, I can't believe they here today. Oh, I can't. Mm. Why they had to come the day of all days? No, 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 no. He, he said, forgive them like you want God to forgive you. Love them like you want God to love you. That's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to be that kind of person. He loved us enough to save others. We ought to love others enough to share with them. Listen, this is what I'm saying. 
When he says um, that we ought to love others as we love ourselves, if that's the best we could do, well, understand what he's saying there. You love yourself enough to make sure you get something to eat, right? You love yourself enough to get something to drink, you need something to drink. You love yourself enough to have a place to live, get a shelter, be sheltered. You love yourself enough to, well, if you were in prison, you wouldn't have to visit yourself because you would be there already. But, <laughs> but, but Matthew 25 helps us with that. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. Sick and in prison, you visited me. He said, when did we do that? And as much you've done to the least of these, you've done it also unto me. So he's calling us to do that. But let me make sure you're really clear on this when we say, we serve through mission and evangelism. Let me make sure we're clear on this. You love yourself enough to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You love yourself enough because you want to make sure heaven would be your home. You love yourself to, enough to make sure that you would not end up in hell. You love yourself enough to make sure that you had salvation, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. So what he's saying to us, if you love yourself enough, to come to know Christ, you ought to love others enough to help them to come to know Christ. <laughs> I mean, they got to sink in for a moment. Yeah, I love because there's some folks you got issues with, and you're all upset with, and they don't have a relationship with Christ. So guess what? They're supposed to act like they're acting. They don't know Jesus. Why are we surprised when people who don't know Jesus act like they don't know Jesus? That's like being surprised when people have mental issues do things that people with mental issues would do. You, you can't get all mad with somebody who has a mental issue and you think, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're acting like they got mental issues. Well, you know they got mental issues. You can't be, now if you're upset about that and you're mad about that, they might not be the only person with mental issues. So when we recognize that there are people who don't know Christ, then our job is to put ourselves in a way in such a way that they can come to know him, know his love, his grace, and his mercy, and then we help them grow in Christ. That's why it's our job, our mission, is to help those who don't know Christ come to know Christ. And we use mission to get to evangelism. All the work that we do to help others and, and, and everything we do, we're not doing it just to help. What good is it if we do all we can to get people food and get people clothes and get people all they want, give people a million dollars and they die and go to hell? What a waste. The whole thing behind the mission and, and you loving and caring for people is that they may see your good works and give God glory. Mm they may see the love of Christ in you and know that you care about them at least enough so they can come to know Christ. We must do as Jesus did. Seek and save those that are lost. That's our purpose for serving because we love. That's our purpose for serving because we love. But how do we serve? I'm glad you asked that. We serve, secondly, we serve by practice. We serve by practice and that means by following Christ. We literally do what Jesus did. We don't just come to Christ, we follow him. Let me say it again. We don't just come to Christ, we follow him. And what, what I mean by that is, um, it, it's a difference in having a, a, a puppy, a dog or something, you say, you know, come, and the dog comes to you. But your intent is when you're walking down the street or whatever else, that your dog will follow you. But the dog is still where you say come, and the dog stays there. Uh, when Christ asks us to come, he says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, for I am weak, meek and weak, uh, lowly of heart. He's saying to us, when we yoke with him, that means we will go with him. 
when you get yoked, when the oxen get yoked together, they are going together. They don't get yoked and one stays and the other goes. So he's saying that when we come to him, the intention is to come after him, to follow him, to go with him. That, that's, that's what that means. When we come to him, we are to go with him. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow, follow me. Now, that's the problem for us. I know. And I'm part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. I admit it. So many times to get people to come to Christ, we tell them, give your life to Jesus and everything going to be all right. When you come to the Lord, he'll fix it. Jesus will work it out if you let him. Jesus will work it out. Oh, Jesus will work it out. That problem that I had. No, you're going to still have problems. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> But, but what I'm saying is, many times we, we, we entice folk to come to Christ saying that you just come on to Jesus and, and he'll work it all out. It, it worked now, I'm not, listen, the, I felt that somebody said, oh, pastor, is just speaking blasphemous today. He's just saying God won't fix it. I didn't say that. Please be clear with me. I'm saying when we're at getting people to come to Christ, we do all we can to get them to see the good part of knowing Christ. But Jesus says, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Now, now, now listen, when you come to Christ, you're still in this world. I said, when you came to Christ, you stayed in this world. You didn't come to Christ and then get shot up to Mars. When you came to Christ, you were still in this world. And he said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. He said, but also, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. What we're saying to people when they come to Christ is, now you have someone that will help you through every problem, every situation, every trial that you have. You have someone who can comfort you in a time of comfort. You have someone who's with you when nobody else will be with you. You have someone who understands you when nobody else understands you. You have someone who will guide you when nobody else want to put up with you. God will always be there for you and he'll help you through everything you got to go through. That's what we mean. But we have to make up our minds that we will come after him. See, and well, put it this way, we, 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 all of us come to Christ. And first after, I've said this a thousand times, so here come a thousand and one. All of us came to Christ out of selfish motives. The only reason we came to him because we wanted something from God. That's the only reason we came. We wanted something from God, so we came. When someone said, I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn, and sad. But I found something. I found in him a resting place, and he's made me glad. For I don't know what your reason was, but every last one of us came to Christ out of selfish motives. We wanted something for ourselves. And when we started, and let me say this, there is absolutely nothing wrong with coming to Christ out of selfish motives. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. For whatever reason it came, folks say, well, I want to make heaven my home. Good. Did not want to go to hell. Good. Whatever the reason was, that's great that you came to Christ. There is no problem with coming to Christ out of selfish reasons. You needed some help, and he was your help. Oh, God, I help in ages past. I hope for years to come. I shelter from the stormy blast and I eternal home. We wanted some help, and God is, was, and always will be our help. Nothing wrong with coming to Christ out of selfish motives. The challenge comes is you can't follow Christ out of selfish motives. You can't come after him out of selfish motives. And all of us who have come to him, to truly come to him, would allow God to move in us in such a way that he would transform us 
from who we are to who he wants us to be. And he'll do it. <clears throat> yeah. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's given you an opportunity to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by your trust in God. So when we come to him, we don't just come to him and stop. We don't just seek God and worship. We don't just shape lives by teaching. But we also have to serve God. We have to serve the whole world through mission and evangelism. We have work to do. We don't just come to him. We must practice. We must follow him. And we must follow him sacrificially and wholeheartedly. Mark chapter 8 continues with verse 35. It says, For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must tell it. We must share it. We must live it. I, I, I remember a time when, um, this is years ago, and I was talking to a young person about um, telling other people about Christ. And they were saying, well, pastor, you know, I... I can't, I can't tell my boys about Jesus, you know. They, 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 they think I'm judging them. They, they think I'm, I'm trying to be better than they are or something if I talk to them about Christ. I, I feel kind of, I don't, I don't just don't feel some way about telling them about my walk with God. I feel, I can feel kind of bad about sharing Christ with them. I say, well, do they feel bad about offering you drugs? Do, do they feel bad about you get high with them or drink with them and, and driving halfway drunk? Are they, are, they, are they embarrassed about sharing that with you? Are they, are they embarrassed about the stuff y'all do that's not just immoral but sometimes even illegal? Oh, no, Pastor. They, no, they talk to me about that all the time. No, this, we cool. I said, well, so you cool with them and you're not feeling ashamed or they're not feeling ashamed about talking to you about stuff that could literally destroy you and your life but you feel ashamed about telling them something that will give them joy and peace and life everlasting? What's wrong with that picture? And we begin to find out how much God loves us and cares for us, even when we may be reluctant, but he'll move in our life in such a way. And you have to answer this. There are times when people who you've been running with, people who, who, who just know you go to church and they know you kind of got a relationship with the Lord, they heard you mention God before, so they kind of heard that, and they do all kind of dastardly stuff. And then when their life gets all messed up, they come to you and ask you, what can they do? Now, now when they come and tell you that their life is all jacked up and everything bad, they're not coming to you so you can say, well, you take your life bad. You ought to hear my life. My life twice as bad as yours. No, they come to you because they believe you got a relationship with somebody who can help them through everything they're going through. And that's another opportunity to tell a dying world about a living Savior who loves and cares for them. But where should we do this? How do we do this? Paul helps us. Apostle Paul helps us with this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Mm. 
Somehow, sometimes we get stuck into thinking that serving Christ literally means people serving us. Sometimes, see, in the church, we get to a point where we think folk ought to be serving us because we're so good and so holy and so righteous. Somehow, yeah, Christ means, yeah, serving Christ means serving us. It's kind of like James and John um, in Mark chapter 12 when they wanted positions in the kingdom. They said, Jesus, when you get to your glory, when you get to glory, uh, can you have a seat prepared for me, James, and me for John, one on the right, one on the left? And Jesus said, no, that's not for me to give. No, I'll not do that. Can you drink of the cup that I drink? Can you go through the suffering I'm going to go through? And of course, they said, sure, we can. You know, we just want these seats. And he said, well, it's not for me to give. You can't do that. But, but, but look at what he says to them, because after they go through that discussion, the other disciples found out what John and James had asked them. And they got, the Bible says, indignant. Now, when a disciple get indignant, you got something going on, all right? They were so upset with them. But Jesus called to them in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Jesus called them together. He called them to him and said this. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Don't get anything else. Get this. Y'all can tweet this. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Why have we come? If Jesus came to serve, what should be our reason for giving our life to Christ and deciding to put him first? That means we too have committed to serve this present age our calling to fulfill. We must follow Jesus. Not just come to him. We must follow him. One songwriter said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And what else is it? No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, because I have decided to follow Jesus. That becomes our plea. That becomes our determination. All right, so first, we serve on purpose. Secondly, we serve by practice. And lastly, we serve with power. Oh, yes. We are called to serve, but our service is not only meaningful, but our service is powerful. Hmm. We have the power to serve this present age, our calling to fulfill. We have the power to transform homes, our homes. We have the power to transform our communities. We have the power to transform our cities. We have the power to transform our state. We have the power to transform this nation. We have the power to transform this world. 
All we have to do is trust God and trust his word. Well, Pastor, what does his word say? What does his word say? You talk about his power. We got what does his word? I'm glad you asked. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, first from the ESV. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, karma, according to the power at work within us. He, he, he has empowered us to do stuff we can't even imagine, but he's empowered us to do it. But, but I know y'all didn't get it from that verse. I know y'all really didn't get it because y'all like me. We, I grew up on King James Version. I got to say it like King James, Brother Dale. I got to say it like King James says it. <clears throat> In Ephesians chapter 3 and 20. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Woo! In other words, I, I, I love to do this. I love to do this. Every time I get a chance, I love to do this. Not only, if you look at this verse and went back word by word, it says he can do whatever we ask. Yeah, he can do whatever we ask or think. Anything you ask, anything you think, God is capable of doing it. But, 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 but this text goes back further. It says not just that what we ask or think, it says, go back one way, it says, he can do all that we ask or think. Not, not, so not just some of what you ask or think, God can do all that you ask or think. Mm. Wait a minute, wait a minute, go one more word. Not just he can do all that you ask or think, he can do above all. You, you thought all was enough, but he can do above all that you ask or think. But wait a minute, wait a minute, go back one more word. It says he can do abundantly above all that you ask or think. If that's not enough, go back one more word. I'm in the King James. It says he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now I'm excited about what God can do. I'm excited about what God can do. I'm excited about what God can do. But then it says comma, but according to the power that works in us in other words, God wants to do it, but he just won't snap his finger. God wants to do it. He just won't bat his eye. God wants to do it. He just won't nod his head. God wants to do it, but he chooses to do it through us, his church. He's called us to serve through mission and evangelism. He's called us to love. He's called us to share. He's called us to give. He's called us to forgive. And then he empowers us. He empowers us. He empowers us to do his will. I gotta tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your power. All we have to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You can count on me. Yes, Lord. You can count on me. Well, why can we count on you? Because we've already counted on God. What did God do? He sent his son through 42 generations. His son came and lived on this earth. 
went about doing good. Out of all the good he did, Fred talked about him, ridiculed him, called him everything but a child of God. But can you see our Lord and Savior when he allowed them to drag him up to Golgotha's hill? They put nails in his hands, nails in his feet, cried a thorn on his head and on the cross because he loved me so much. On the cross because he loved you so much. The Bible says he died. He died. He died. But the story doesn't stop there. They placed him in a ball tomb. He stayed there all night Friday. Stayed there all day Saturday. Stayed there all night Saturday night. But early. Oh, early. I said early. On that Sunday morning, he got up with all power. Power over the grave. Victory over death. He ascended into heaven. Sit back the Holy Spirit to be the power that works in us. We can do it. We just have to say, yes, Lord. Why? The Lord needs us to do his work. The Lord has need of workers to tear this field today. So kindly, he has led me to walk in wisdom's way. I pray for grace to help me with all my heart to say, Oh, blessed Savior, count, count on me. Mm. I count on thee, dear Master, for cleansing in my blood, for constant streams of blessing, a never-failing flood, in ever-new fruition. I see thy mercies, bud. Oh, blessed Savior, count on me. Now guide me for the battle when evil powers oppose and give me faith and courage to conquer all my foes. I pledge thee my allegiance, my soul no other knows. Oh, blessed Savior, count on me. Last, I'll bear another's burden. I'll bear another's burden along a lonely way. Or teach that burden bearer with confidence to pray in service ever loyal at home or far away. Oh, blessed Savior, count on me for loving hearted service, glad and free. Oh, to God be the glory. If you're here today and you said, I want the Lord to count on me. If you're here today and say, I need the Lord in my life. I know God loves me. I know God cares for me. But I haven't signed up for the journey yet. I want to sign up today. If you're in this building, I give you an opportunity to walk and just stand somewhere in the building here. We'll tell you what we'll do. But for those who are watching, we ask if you would pray this prayer after me to accept Christ right now. If you want the Lord in your life, you say, yes, I need the power that comes from God. I realize I'm still going to have trials and tribulations, but I'm grateful that God will be with me. If you want God in your life right now, you haven't accepted him, we ask you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to lead you in prayer. I can't pray it for you. It's a prayer you have to pray. I'll lead you in it. And I'll pause to give you time to, to respond in this prayer, to say this prayer. Now, basically, I'm just, I'm just praying that you've sinned and come short. We all have sinned. That's no big news to God. We all have sinned and come short. And the ways of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. But we're also going to pray that Romans 10 now says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
So as you pray this prayer today, if that's what you want to do, and you hear the words I pray, if that's what you believe, please repeat after me. Say, Father God, I have sinned. I have not been all I should be. I am sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe in my heart. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you, God, all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Help me to be what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you, God, for saving me right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're in the building, you can walk forward. Uh, if you're not, we ask that you will let us know. You can, you can uh, call us at 912-233-6597. Just call the church, First African Baptist Church. You can look us up, First African Baptist Church, or text us. Just let us know that you've accepted Christ. And we'll do our part to help you in your walk with Christ. We'll help you to learn of him. We'll help you to grow in him, wherever you are. Uh, if you desire to be a member of First African, we can do that no matter where you are. Again, we just thank God for you, that God will guide, direct, lead, and keep you and us, that his will might be done. We thank you for coming, that we can worship together, that God will get all the praise, the honor, and the glory. My understanding is a um, candidate for House Representatives here, uh, Wes Wesleyan Bowen, 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 oh, oh, okay, God bless you. Um, we're going to let, let earlier, and then we'll do that when we got before our message. Amen. We'll talk. God bless you. Thank you. This is the second time being with us. God bless you. Thank God for you. Ah, amen. Yeah. Blessings in the book bag. Yeah, amen. All right. Now, we're going to ask, following the benediction, for all of those in the building, Father benediction, please follow the instructions of the ushers. We're asking that you don't gather together or leave together or, or get in groups and start talking in the building. When you get outside, you can uh, do all the talking and fellowshipping you want to do. We still recommend that, you know, with your mask and all. The reason I'm saying that is because the numbers are down nationally for COVID. The numbers are down in the state of Georgia for COVID. For COVID. But in Savannah, Chatham County, the last three days, the numbers have gone back up. So just so you will know that. And we didn't want to cancel this because the numbers are up. We just want to be cautious and careful. So our ushers will instruct you out. Please don't knock the ushers down. Don't tell them I got to go get my cup, take, turn my meat off the stove and all that. Please, um, please be patient. And they're going to start from the rear and start letting people out. Don't forget to give. You can go ahead and give through the, um, put your offering in the container that's at the back. Also, just put your offering, your tithes, and then offerings. Yeah, your tithes and then your offerings in the container back there. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you, we love you, we adore you, we magnify your name. We ask now, God, you will go with us as we leave this place, but never your presence. God, we thank you for all of our guests who have traveled to be with us. We ask you to give them traveling grace safely back to their homes and places of abode. Guide us now and keep us that we'll be more what you'd have us to be. And now we ask that the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit will rest ruling the Bible that's now henceforth and forevermore. Let all the people of God say amen and praise God. Please be seated. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. 
Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Listen, we've been blessed all through COVID. And I just want to take time now just to thank our musical aggregation for all God has been blessing us with them the whole time. God bless you. Excellent is our name. Wow, what an awesome God we serve. We also, we just want to mention, I got note that Sister Anita King's birthday was this past week, so we're saying happy birthday to Sister Anita King and all the Mars birthday people. Let's continue to keep in prayer the Dobson family and the passing of Sister Marion Dobson, whose home going was on yesterday, and we thank God for that family as we continue to pray with and for all of them, including her grandson, Brother Joseph Dobson, who served even as a docent here for our George Loud Vision Incorporated. Our scripture is found in Acts chapter 16, verses 27 through 34. And as you turn to your Bibles, we ask that you would keep it on Acts 16 particularly because this is just a portion of what we're preaching about, but we want you to get all of it, be able to mark it, be able to allow it to minister to you on this day. So in Acts chapter 16, again reading, begin reading with verse 27. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and sat food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Let us pray. God, our creator, sustainer, redeemer, deliverer, we ask right now in a special way that you speak to us, we, your servants, that we may hear your word, but that we not just hear, but we would understand, not just hear and understand, but that we would believe it, not just hear and understand and believe it, but that we will live it, that we will follow it, that we would allow it to just be within us, to do the work you've called us to do for such a time as this. So, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us, mold us, break us, make us, then fill us to do your work and your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Our subject for today is empowered to make a difference. Empowered to make a difference. God has uniquely positioned and prepared each one of us to do ministry. God has uniquely prepared us and put us in positions where he has us enabled to do ministry. We know our vision statement. We know it's striving for excellence in kingdom building. 
Uh, well, let, me, let me make sure. How many of you know what our vision statement is? Amen. Anybody? Okay. I see a couple of hands not raised who, who are still members, so let me do that. It is striving for excellence in kingdom building. In other words, that's the goal we're seeking. That's where we're going. That's the vision of First Africa. We will perfectly do that. And in that statement, it, it, it suggests maturity. It suggests being perfect. And we're not there yet. So that's why it's our vision. We're striving for excellence in kingdom building. But we also know the way to get to that, that, that goal that we have, that vision, is through our mission. And our mission statement helps us with how to get to the vision statement. And our mission statement is that we're seeking God through worship, we're shaping lives through teaching, and we're serving the world through mission and evangelism. And then we have specific times when we do all of that. If you remember, we have specific times that we do this together as a church family. So now we're really talking about the mission and evangelism portion and that we all, all members of First African, are working now to do our part as a church family. We're doing our part to work together that we may serve the world through mission and evangelism. So how do we literally follow through with this? We committed our lives to Christ. And we're on our way to heaven. But how do we bring others along? How do we do that? You do recognize our world is in a mess. Physically, there's war in Ukraine. As we continue to pray for the people of Ukraine and everybody affected by that, there's war in Ukraine and there's war on our streets. All of this even affects us, not just physically, but we affect it economically. Low supplies, high prices. And because we are affected physically and economically, we also are affected mentally. Depression, all around, just watching the news and seeing all the terrible things that happen. And if nothing really awful happened in Savannah, if we didn't get enough people gunned down in Savannah, if we didn't get enough people in car accidents in Savannah, they'll bring in folk who got killed in South Carolina and California and New York. If that's not enough, then they'll turn on the war in Ukraine. It's enough to affect us even mentally, depression from all that's going on in the world. But this world is also in a mess spiritually. Now, we can address that today and want to teach us and want, want us to be able to teach the world a lesson or two about how to deal with this spiritually. Now, I know the things that we're saying. When I say we're empowered, we can do all these things. I know what you're saying individually, and some folk are sitting around saying now, even as they're watching and us on uh, YouTube and Facebook and here in this podcast, some people are saying as an individual, I can't do much. People are mean. People are unjust. People can be cruel. And some folk just get on my last nerve. <laughs> there are people I just can't stand. Pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how they have hurt me. I want revenge. But do we really? Do we want to hurt people or do we want God's will to be done? Let me say it again. Do we really want to hurt people or do we want God's will to be done? When we watch 
and still watch Putin and the Russian armies invade the sovereign nation of Ukraine, killing many innocent people and displacing so many from their homes, makes you want to do something. When we watch how some senators have treated our Supreme Court nominee, Judge Catania Brown Jackson, and when I say our nominee, I don't mean black folk nominee. She's a nominee for the United States of America. Yeah. And she's more than qualified. But seeing that makes you want to do something. When we hear about and see the violence in our streets and in our neighborhoods and feel tension and hatred among people who know each other, but choose violent means to handle conflict, it should make us want to do something. We have been called to serve the world through mission and evangelism, and we have been empowered to do just that. Seeing that we have been empowered to make a difference, let's look at how we can be used to transform lives. First, stay focused on your mission in transition. Let me say it again. Stay focused on your mission in transition. When you're doing what you're supposed to do for the Lord, opposition and persecution will follow. Look for it. Embrace it. Thank God for it. Because every seemingly bad situation brings forth an opportunity for God to get the glory. It, it, it's not so much the situation as it is how you respond to the situation. I have to say it again. It, it's not so much the situation you're in, it's how you respond to the situation that you're in. Romans 8, verse 28 helps us, those of us who've come to know God. Mm-hmm. We need to trust God in the midst of whatever we're going through because Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. I'm trying to tell you today, we have been called for his purpose. Just stay focused. We've been called to do his will. Just stay focused. We've been called to be an example unto others. Just stay focused. When you're doing God's work, you will have haters. Praise God. I said, when you're doing God's work, you will have haters. Praise God. Y'all ain't feel me yet. When you're doing God's work, you will have haters. Now, praise God. Pastor, why, why, why am I praising God? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Matthew 5, 11 and 12 teaches us that all of us who saved say we want to be blessed. Oh, Lord, bless me. You know, the praises go up, the blessings come down. We want the Lord to bless us. Well, Matthew 5, 11 helps with that. It says, blessed are you <laughs> when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Amen. 
Y'all see, you said to get blessed? Blessed are you when you're doing what God would have you to do, and other folk talk about you, lie on you, ridicule you, scandalize your name, when they do all sorts of stuff and persecute you, revile you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for his sake. He tells us how we ought to respond. Many times we read verse 11 and don't read verse 12. He tells us how we ought to respond when we're in that bad situation. He tells us how we ought to respond to the situation. Verse 12 says, we ought to rejoice and be glad. For good is your reward in heaven. Now, 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 now I like King James. King James Version says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Woo! I, you know, I have to tell people that this passage blessed me because it makes sense, of course, spiritually. It's the word of God. But it actually makes sense carnally. Did y'all hear me? Even without taking the word of God and the power of God into effect, it works carnally. Let me tell you how it works on a human level. If um, somebody is saying stuff to you and they're saying mean and evil stuff, they're doing it expecting your response to be the same kind of response back. They talk about your mama, they expect you to talk back about their grandmama. They, you, you say something, they expect you to come back with something. And then also, they expect it to make you upset. They, they expect you to be disappointed. They expect you to get depressed. They expect you to go somewhere and cry. Or they expect you to get ready to fight or to pull your weapon because they already got theirs. That's what they're looking for. But, but if they're doing this evil stuff to you, saying this stuff about you, and you rejoice, and you say, man, Lord, I got the Lord, I thank you. Woo, praise the Lord. What did you say? Say some more. Yes. Oh, yes. Woo. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Oh, yes, that's good. Oh, that's great news. That's great news. What else you say? Oh, yes, yes. I was all there, too. Oh, praise his holy name. And you get joy. Down deep in my soul, you give me joy. Think about it. If it's giving you joy, that's not what they expect. That's not what they want. So in order for them to quit giving you the joy that you're getting, they got to stop doing what they were doing. If talking about you gives you joy, I'm going to quit talking about you. Well, on a natural level, that's all you want anyway. <laughs> it makes sense even not spiritually. It makes sense even on a carnal level. But God tells us we ought to do it. Because he's our rewarder. He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He will reward us. He says, for great is your reward in heaven. In other words, whatever reward you get down here, it's all temporary. But what he gives you for heaven, you will have throughout eternity. Somebody will hear me today. In the midst of it, you, you have to be able to go through that transition, whatever you're going through. We look at Paul and Silas. In a few verses before this text begins in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, 16, we see these words. It says, and, and Paul said, uh, the word of God says this in Acts 16, in verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer on the way to church, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, 
having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope to gain of gain was gone, when they saw that she would no longer say things to people that they could get money off of her for, when they saw that she was no longer going to be able to give them the, mo the money they were getting, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Mm. Paul and Silas were doing God's work. They were spreading his word and causing others to be saved. That's what they were doing. But because they were doing that, and they were allowing others to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, because they were doing what they were called and purposed and empowered to do. They were arrested. They were dragged to the recorder's court for a preliminary hearing. Then they were ordered to be beaten with rods. They were thrown into maximum security with the worst of the worst. Why? Why? Because the good they were doing angered others. But they stayed focused. As we should also. They stayed focused knowing who had called them and who had empowered them. Well, how do we know they stayed focused? I'm glad you asked. If we look at what they did next and what we should also do when we run into opposition to doing God's work and doing God's will, it's our second point. What we should do is what they did. What did they do? We should pray without delay. Amen. The word of God says in Acts 16, 25, 26, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Hmm. The best time to pray is now. The best time to pray is right in the midst of whatever you're going through. Paul and Silas didn't wait for the 633 prayer call. The Bible says at midnight. Yeah. In the midst of whatever you're going through, pray. In the midst of the seemingly difficult situation, pray. Now, what does prayer do? Nothing. Pastor, you didn't just say that. Let me do it again. What does prayer do? 
nothing. It's what can who you're praying to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're praying to pray to him, prayer changes things, and prayer changes the prayer. When we're focused and do what we can do and call upon God to do what he can do, miracles happen. I'm saying again. When we're focused, yeah, no matter what the situation is, and we can trust God enough to pray, to know that God can do what God can do, and yet God will empower us to do what we can do. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. What a miraculous work. They're singing and they're praying in prison. Now there's an earthquake. The doors are open. The chains fall off. The stock come off their feet. I, I, I heard like Dr. Cameron Madison Alexander said, the late Dr. Cameron Madison Alexander, who was our GMBC president for years, General Missionary Baptist Convention president for years. When he recounts this, he says that the old preacher would say that um, Gable was sitting with the Lord watching and he saw how Paul and Silas were being treated. And so Gable decided God, he was just waiting on God to give him an okay to go down there and take care of everybody who was messing with God's children. And Gable took off, heading down there for that Philippian jail, heading for that jail. And as he was heading for that jail, Dr. Alexander said, God said, oh, no, no, Gable, come back. Don't do that. Come, come back. And when Gable turned around to come back to heaven, the wind from his wings put an earthquake and shook off. <laughs> but, but, but as miraculous as the doors opening, as miraculous as them being positioned to be set free, to me, that's not the real miracle in this story. That's, that's not the real miracle. No, 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 no. Oh, yes. Now they can literally walk out and be free. But why didn't they leave? They, they, they could have walked out. They, they, the, the bonds were off of them. They were no longer stopped. The doors were open. Why didn't they walk out and be, they wanted their freedom. Why didn't they go and just be free? I'll tell you why. Our third point. Care enough to share. Paul and Silas stayed focused on their mission in transition. They prayed without delay. And now they cared enough to share the gospel in word and deed. Look at verse 27. When it says, when the jailer woke, he saw that the prison doors were open. He drew a sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Let me pause there for a second. In this culture, it was the jailer's responsibility to hold securely those who were in prison. And if any of the prisoners escaped, the jailer would be immediately killed. They knew that if the prisoners were gone, he would be killed. 
There was no discussion about it, no trial being held. If, if they're gone, then you're dead. That, that's the situation that we're living with. So look at verse 27. It says, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That, that kind of, I, I didn't quite get that, Minister I, I didn't quite get that. If he says, we all are here, how do you come to them and say, what must I do to be saved? I, I didn't draw the lines. I didn't make the connection. But the connection is this. The jailer realized they could have been gone. The jailer realized that they could have fled. But because they cared enough for the life of the jailer, they stayed, even though the jailer probably participated in them being whipped with rods, even though the jailer did participate in putting them in the inner prison, and the inner prison mean maximum security, even though the jailer might have been a part of folk who spat on them and talked about them and ridiculed their name and called them all kind of things, even though the jailer may have been there when all this stuff happened to them, notice that they cared enough about somebody who had done dastardly things to them they, they cared enough for somebody to say to them, do not harm yourself. That's the miracle. And that comes from the power of the Lord living in you. Guiding and directing you. In the time when you think is your lowest time. At your lowest point in life. God will empower you to do the work he called you to do. Yeah, all those haters. Love them. Nothing can defeat hate but love. If you're in a dark room, don't just stay in a dark room and curse how dark it is. Light a candle. You, you have the power to do something. They, they could have taken revenge. And, that, and that's what our nation is going through. Everybody's trying to be in power to, to disempower everybody else. But God is calling us to a time when we recognize that we all are living on his earth. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell there. He provided enough resources for everybody. He's provided enough air for everybody. He's provided enough water for everybody. But we have to be conscious enough that we're going to do what we can do to keep the air clean, to keep the water clean, to do what we can, to keep, our, keep what we have been entrusted unto us to do what we can so God can get the glory. And so we can live. Paul spoke up, do yourself no harm. I like this because he didn't speak in a real holy language. I notice you're going through a situation. May the Lord be with you. No, he cared enough to say, do yourself no harm. How many of us care enough about our young people? who need joy deep down in their heart. How many of us care about the people who are going through all sort of situations in their homes? 
we don't know what they're going through, but we can see them acting out in many different ways of the things that they do. How many of us care enough about them to say, do yourself no harm? People strung out on drugs. Do we just want them to arrest everybody who's on drugs? Just arrest them, lock them up, keep them. I can tell you the, jail, uh, the sheriff is, is, is tired of having to do that and maintain those kind of things and keeping drugs to help people getting off drugs. How many of us care enough that we could say to this whole dying society, do yourself no harm. We're here. We're here to help you. That's the mission part. We're here to help in every need that you have. We're here to help you. Who's here to say, I'm here to help you find the real joy. I'm here to help you find real peace. I'm here to help you find a way that you can make it through all your situations. I'm here to share with you how God can help you in the midst of everything you're going through. How many of us can say that? Because when Paul said to them, do yourself no harm, the next word he said was, what must I do to be saved? And we know that all Paul told them was, all you need to do is know that God loves you so much that he sent his son through 42 generations. He came to this earth and went about doing good. Out of all the good he did, folk talked about him. Folk ridiculed him. Folk called him everything but a child of God. But look at our Lord and Savior, who's our example of how we ought to live, our example of how we ought to love, our example of how we ought to care. Look at how they treated our Lord and Savior. They falsely accused him, took him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They whipped him all night long. Can you see our Lord and Savior when he allowed them to drag them up to Golgotha's hill, put nails in his hands, nails in his feet with a crown of thorns on his head? Can you see our Lord and Savior dying for all of your sins, dying for all of my sins? Can you see him? Can you see him? Can you see him? The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said, yes, yes, do yourself no harm. He died, was placed in a borrowed tomb, stayed there all night Friday, stayed there all day Saturday, stayed there all night Saturday, but early on that Sunday morning, the Bible says he got up with all power, power over the grave, victory over death. Look at our Lord and Savior. He has power, he has victory. He ascended into heaven, sent back the Holy Spirit to live in us, the Holy Spirit to guide us, the Holy Spirit to direct us. So we have been empowered to do the work he called us to do for such a time as this. We ought to say, Lord, I thank you. We are empowered to do the work. We are empowered to make a difference in our homes, in our communities, in our cities, in our state, in our nation, and in this world. God has empowered us to do his work. There may be those present on today who are in person and say, I need the Lord in my life. I want to accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. We'll give you an opportunity to come forward and just to stand or just sit in the first pew. If you'd like to accept Christ right here in this building, just come to the first pew. We'll pray with you that God will direct you. We'll make sure that you hear with us that God will move in your life. There may be others who's watching from Facebook, YouTube, or listening on a podcast who's saying right now, I need the Lord in my life. I want to accept him. Well, you can pray this prayer with me right now. If you pray this prayer with me, you can accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. 
just give your heart to God right now. Now I'm praying it. I can't pray it for you. I pray with you. I'll lead you in it. You have to take the time to say the words that I'm saying. So think about it as you say it to see if this is what you really believe. Think about it as you say these words. Let's pray. Say, Father God, I have sinned. I have not been all I should be. I am sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe in my heart. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you, God, all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life and help me to be what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you, God, for saving me right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you've given your life to Christ and you're in this building, we we'll want you to unite with, with First African Baptist Church. Be a member of First African. If you pray that prayer, you are now one of Christ's disciples. We're calling to make disciples. So give God praise, honor, and glory for your now having that relationship with him. And let us know. If you've accepted Christ, let us know. Just send us an email, text, call us at uh, 912-233-6597. 912-233-6597. We'll respond to you. Again, we thank God for you. Thank God for all that he's done in and with us all. And again, we say thank you for coming to worship with First African Baptist Church on Franklin Square here in Savannah, Georgia. The oldest black church in North America. We say God bless you, God keep you, and we're giving God praise for just the opportunity to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we ask him to ever direct us and to guide us. As all of our guests who've been with us, who are with us now, and you're traveling from wherever you're from, we want to say may God give you safe passage back to your homes and places of abode. Let us pray. God, again, we thank you. We love you and adore you. We magnify your name. We ask that you would ever guide us and strengthen us. Thank you for your word, God, and let your word reign supreme in us that we know we're empowered to do the work you call us to do for such a time as this. And now we ask that the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit would rest, rule, and abide with us now, henceforth, and forevermore. Let the people of God say amen, amen. and praise God.